I was uh, playing with Atticus this afternoon. He didn't want to take a nap. And um, he wanted to either get, he either wanted to grab this new hymnal that Cindy's got one of, and we're so terrified that he's going to, you know, rip pages out, or, or my pulpit Bible. And so he's figured out those are the real books. And so he's carrying on mad because he kept wanting this. I said, no. Well, I did let him have it. <laughs> I guess I'm not as tough as I act. <laughs> Y'all know that, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but anyway. No, I'll, I'll never forget a, f- a friend of mine. Uh, years ago, when he was about to become a grandparent for the first time, he said, my dream of being the perfect grandparent is to take take my grandchild to the bakery and loading them up and sending them home. <laughs> you know, be the ultimate good guy. And whatever happens after that, well... <laughs> but anyway, that was the guy I was telling somebody, that, and I think it was Dwayne. He used to always say... I don't have to go to church, but I have to go to church. So I'd think about that. He was a, he was a cool guy. It, it's funny through life, y'all have that too. Different people you meet. And we're all a little bit of a hodgepodge, all these people, aren't we? That made a difference in our lives. I want to look at two verses out of Psalm 23 tonight. You know, a lot of times we think of Psalm 23, it's at funerals. But I think rather than Psalm 23 being about death, it's really more about life. It's more about living and walking with the shepherd. So I just want to read two verses, three and four tonight. Uh, Yep, stand in God's honors. Do for him. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this ancient song and that you are a shepherd that takes care of dumb sheep like us, Lord. Um, Tonight, as we take time and look at these two verses from this song, um, speak to us, Lord, and remind us to, Father, live in righteous ruts. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, one man made this distinction. Um, he said, God called a sheep and not cattle for a reason. Cattle are driven, but sheep are led. And he made the point that the goal is that um, I will let the shepherd lead me more than have to drive me somewhere, force me somewhere. May I choose... To follow him. Um, It's interesting here. As he starts out this verse 3. Where it says he restores my soul. Uh, The word restore there. It literally means a turning back. Going a different direction. What? There's enough here we can talk on Wednesday night. What biblical term does that remind you of? Turning back or going a different direction. Repenting. And repentance is 
first about realizing, hey, I am really going the wrong way. And that's really hard for us, isn't it? You know, like the woman that said, I never dreamed when I found Mr. Wright. His first name was always. And part of walking with God is sometimes, you know, godliness is being able to say, I, I was wrong. Remember uh, Fonte on Happy Days? That, I know it's going, I, 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 I couldn't do it. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, or I was wrong. And um, But he restores my soul, which basically means he picks me up when I'm wrong, when I'm broken. And there's a word picture here of the old English of casting sheep. And the, the sheep would, they would get comfortable, kind of lay down, spread out. And then when they stretched out, they're kind of clumsy animals. So it wasn't unusual for the sheep to turn over and be on its back, legs in the air, you know, kicking, unable to get up and stuck in that position. And they'd talk about, you know, there's a cavity of their stomach. It was dangerous because if they stayed that way for too long, upside down, then um, it can become fatal on their back like that. And, I mean, also, it's not a good position if you can't get back up, if there's buzzards up there, you know, looking for something to eat or other wild animals, predators, right? It's not a safe place to be. And so the picture there is that the shepherd comes and, Puts them right side up. Because they can't get up. Unless the shepherd comes. And puts them right side up. And uh, You know what a beautiful. Picture. Uh, for us. Right. One author. Uh, Timothy. Lanick, uh He talked about how they always get. Sheep would always get stuck. And he was actually a shepherd in the Middle East. And had experiences in the Middle East as a shepherd. He said, uh, even the hardy mountain breed push their heads through fences, get cut or stuck, climb trees to pick at foliage and get hung up by thorns or their legs, fall down banks, get bitten by snakes, stung by wasps. They tumble into ponds, gorge themselves on fallen ash leaves, roll on their backs, swell up like balloons. Listen to this, but every affliction they face can be countered by a good shepherd. a matter of fact, we're called to get in the equation of helping God's people who end up on their back and they can't get up. It says in Galatians 6, 1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourselves or you may be tempted. So the call is, when we see somebody... And sin, it's not to say in our holy huddle, did you know what he's doing? Did you hear about her? Well, I'm going to pray for them after I call five more people and tell them about it so we can get the prayer chain rolling. I'm kind of grateful the prayer chain we have now, you know, uh, it's you record once and then it goes out, so there's no room for getting confused. But uh, anyway, the whole point is I'm kind of making fun is when people are broken, we're called to restore them. If someone's called in a sin, real love is going to them. and uh, Just being honest with them. And hopefully, as a part of being a church, as we know each other well enough, 
where we know we love each other and we can say, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've been watching this and it uh, looks to me like uh, there's a problem here. And just be honest. Um, I'll never forget years ago, uh, <laughs> there's a friend of mine I did that with and oh, he denied it. No way, no way. About 10 years later, he came up to me and he said, do you remember that? Well, not really, but (laughs) we talked about it a while. He said, man, you had me nailed. I just didn't want to come clean. But we're to do it gently. You know, it's not that the goal is not to beat each other up. The goal is to pick each other up. Well, actually to let shepherd pick pick each other up but to be uh, his tool in that uh, next part of the verse I did it again I keep turning my Bible upside down maybe I'm backwards dyslexic or something he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake I love it Um, the Hebrew here for paths literally means wagon tracks in our vernacular. And we could even translate the word as ruts. Matter of fact, uh, one translator translated it saying, he leads me in ruts of righteousness. I mean, the fact of the matter is, we are people of habit. We tend to do the same thing over and over again. Sit in the same place. Although you guys are real Christians. Look at you. You have moved to the to the scariest place of all for a congregation, right in the. And uh, but we, you know, we tend to do that. I'll never forget years ago. I, I was uh, part of this pastor group. We'd meet on Monday mornings and just kind of share hearts together. We've got to be pretty close. And one guy, he's a smart aleck. He came in the room, rearranged the whole room. And his goal was, I want to see the pastors that say all the time, my people hate change. You know, they complain all the time about any change. I can't change anything, blah, blah, blah. He said, every one of us that came in there complained about the room being changed around. And, you know, we're just that way. We get in ruts. And and so I guess the goal is that our ruts are ruts of righteousness and not ruts that keep us away from the Lord but ruts that are for him one former shepherd wrote this he said this happened in a July day in 2005 first one sheep jumped to its death then another and another and dozens more having left their herds to graze while they ate their breakfast stunned Turkish shepherds watched as nearly 1500 sheep leapt off the same cliff the first 450 died The others survived only because they landed on sheep below. The tragedy happened plainly because the sheep were allowed to wander onto a wrong trail. Unaware of what lay ahead, each one simply followed the next over the cliff. In shepherding terminology, the problem is stated this way. When one sheep picks up a trail, others simply follow the trail of the sheep in front of them. We get the expression tailing somebody from this context 
David writes here, um, lead me in paths of righteousness, wagon tracks of righteousness, even ruts of righteousness for you, where our natural response is godly. That's God's stuff to do that in us, isn't it? Um, Because you know how we are. I I thought of the example of speeding. You know, this is what goes through my mind. This is confession time for Pastor Todd, confession time. I get get stopped and I'm thinking, shouldn't you be looking for real criminals? I mean, people that are transporting drugs or, or, you know, committing these horrible crimes. I was just careless. Okay, I'm doing 38 and a 25, but is this really worth your time, you know, to stop me? But the truth of the matter is, there's a sign, and it has a number on it, and that number is to be followed. So, you know, if it says 25, technically, if I'm doing 26, it can stop me. But, you know, I'm just so used to grace. I mean, at least 30, come on, at least 30. But 38, okay, I'm guilty. But it's so easy to fall into an unrighteous rut there, right, where... I'm going way over the speed limit. And then eventually I pay a price for that. You know, not only does it glorify God, but when we're in righteous ruts, we save ourselves from maybe just speeding tickets, but other kinds of painful (laughs) results that happen um, because of that. We uh, are called to stay on track, which is actually a comes from a shepherding term of following in the right tracks. Matter of fact, um, over in the Holy Land, in the Mediterranean with shepherds, uh, the keen shepherds who shepherd all the time, uh, they have to be careful when the sheep are traveling to see which rut they're in, to make sure that they're in the proper rut that they normally travel. Because if a sheep gets in the wrong rut, he follows a different trail and he gets lost. And so there's a recognition that the shepherd uses for making sure the sheep are in the right rut, the right track as they fall along. And we need the shepherd uh, to guide us. All right, verse 4. I did it again. Pray for me. (laughs) Even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, I want you to notice something in the song. The first verses, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Did you see the subtle change there? You are with me. There is a personal picture of God the shepherd being with us in the darkest possible times that we face, that his presence is there. 
And a shadow only comes because there's light nearby. As someone has so beautifully said, the shadow of a wolf or lion can't bite you. The shadow of a bear can't maul you. The shadow of death can't grip you because it's a shadow. And there's a great illustration from uh, Harry Ironside. Oh, excuse me, it's Donald Barnhouse. Get those guys mixed up. And his wife died, and it was just a real tragedy. Two small kids. Of course, they're emotionally a terrible place, and they're headed home. And there is a eighteen-wheeler truck who cast a shadow, shadow over their vehicle, and he got an idea as he traveled by. And he got the kids' attention, and here's what he said to them. He said, kids, back there at that stoplight, did you notice how that big truck pulled up next to us, creating a shadow over us? They said, yes, sir. We noticed. Well, did that shadow hurt us? Did it hold us back? Oh, no, Daddy. A shadow can't do that to us. And he said, kids... The Bible says that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Death didn't hurt your mother, and it hasn't held her back either. Now she's in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be what? You guys are such good Bible students. It's so fun to teach you. You are saved. Holy huddle. Um, the valley of the shadow of death, it's not a dead end either. It's a highway, and there's a lot of traffic, a lot of death. Death is one of those sure things. Uh, 6,000 people somewhere in the world have died uh, just the time we've been in here together. 150,000 somewhere today, death. 55 million people on average in a year. Uh, matter of fact, death can look like a rush hour. Uh, so much traffic at certain times. But the beauty of the psalmist here, we are in the land of the living. We are not in the land of the living headed for the land of the dying. We're in the land of the dying headed for the land of the living. Isn't that good? You're with me. He doesn't say, even though I stop in the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He gets through there. Um, moves ahead. One commentator said the shadow of death can be translated as deep shadows. Another one translated it deadly darkness. What David may be referring to here is not what we so often translate it as, is death that we face, but a common terminology that was used among shepherds of a deadly situation sheep face, where sheep naturally, if they wander off, head to the valley because in the valley there's good grass to eat and there's often water to drink. But the problem with that is there's also wild animals there, And there's dangers that are there as well. Possibility of flash floods. Um, 
but also the sheep know the shepherd. A good shepherd is nearby. And there are even times where the shepherd leads them to the valley. Just because we're walking with a chalet that walking with a shepherd doesn't mean we may not end up in the valley where there's danger. Job said this way in Job 12.22, God uncovers the deep out of darkness and brings deep darkness to light. That's a translation of that same word, the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow of death is deep darkness. Isaiah and Isaiah 9.2, the same word. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, deep shadows, on them has light. Appeared. Now, to close this out, let's look at these two tools that the shepherd uses. First and the second part of verse 4. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. First, uh, looking at the shepherd's rod. It's typically made out of a sapling uh, about two feet tall. and The natural bulb on the root end of uh, the sapling was shaped and formed into a smooth hardwood that could be used as a fearful weapon. Philip Keller, if you've ever read Philip Keller's great book on um, a shepherd of the 23rd Psalm, it's a classic book. He he writes this, he said um, that while he served in Africa, he delighted watching the young shepherd boys spending hours practicing with their clubs, learning how to throw the club or the rod at amazing speed and accuracy. It was considered an extension of the shepherd's power and authority. Rulers with the scepter um, or the rod, it was a way of showing they had authority and they had power. Matter of fact, Psalm 2 uh, mentions the rod uh, in the prophecies uh, about the rod that spoke of the royalty and the rule of, um, of the leader, the world leader. The rod also was used to part uh, the wool of the sheep to inspect the sheep, make sure the sheep wasn't sick or not only had sores um, uh, or had insects that was causing any kind of damage. That's where we get the terminology, you know, trying to pull the wool over someone's eyes because the wool might hide um, something that the shepherd needed to know about the sheep. Think about uh, when the sheep went in the pen at night and the shepherd would use the rod to inspect the sheep. I'm sure there were times the sheep, if they could think, they were pretty dumb, so they probably couldn't think this way. But, you know, us as sheep are a little smarter, although we're okay. But anyway, <laughs> here he comes again, you know. And you think about that with God. It, it says he, you know, I mean, he knows everything. And there's always a verse that scared me in Hebrews 4.13. You know, we love to quote Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates in fighting soul and spirit, joys and marriage, judges, thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Whew, that was too fast. Huh? 4.13 um, tells us that nothing is um, hidden from God, that everything will be uncovered and laid bare before the one to whom we must give an account. Nothing's hidden from God's sight. I mean, we kind of know that, but we kind of push that aside. 
And he checks us out. He knows us. And the voice of his spirit brings those kind of things to light. Um, and sometimes uh, we try to pull the wool over his eyes. But I read this email to one church. A pastor talked about a lady in his church named Sharon sent him this message about her little three-year-old. I thought this was cute. She said, I was trying to corral my daughter, Emily, um, and she complained she was not ready to go to sleep. I explained, when she was born, God gave me the job of taking care of her, making sure she ate right, and she got enough sleep at night. Now, I'm not trying to be a mean mother, Sharon explained, but this is the job God gave me. To which three little old Emily said, you're fired. (laughs) I don't think that worked. And when we tell God he's fired, that doesn't work either. Uh, Here's another cute email to you. You may have heard this one. I thought this was really cute. um, About Adam and Eve and how they were disobedient children. This is kind of old, but it's still, I think it relates. When your kids are out of control, remember that after creating the universe, the heavens and the earth and all the animals in the animal kingdom, God created Adam and Eve. And the first thing he said to his children was, don't. Don't what? Adam replied. Don't eat the forbidden fruit, God said. Forbidden fruit? We've got forbidden fruit. Hey, we've got forbidden fruit. No way. Yes, way. Don't eat that fruit, God repeated. Why not? Why can't we? Why not? They both pouted. Because I said so, God said. Wondering why he hadn't stopped creating after making the elephants. A few days later, God saw those children eating the forbidden fruit. Come here, God called. What have you done? Didn't I tell you not to eat that fruit, God demanded? Yes, Adam replied. Then why did you eat it? Well, Adam said, pointing at Eve, she made me, did not, did so, did not, did so, did not. Having had it with the two of them, God punished them. And God's punishment was that Adam and Eve would have children of their own. (laughs) You know, Psalm 139, it's a beautiful psalm that talks about how God knows us intimately. Um, If you go through the whole psalm, you know, it says he knows us when we sit, when we lie. um, It it says it knows us before a word comes out of our mouths. Uh, he knows our thoughts. I mean, he, he goes on and on. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, he, you know, his right hand will hold me fast. He, he, he is there. And, and you come to the end of the psalm. It's kind of interesting because the, the psalm writer, he talks about how, how God knows us. I mean, knows us intimately, more than, better than anyone. And then he gives this invitation to God. The last two verses of Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Wow. What an invitation. And sometimes I've, I've done that. It's like Holy Spirit. Um, shine your spotlight. It's going to hurt, but um, shine your spotlight on me. So that I can see. And I can know, oh God, what needs to be changed. You know, what, what, 
needs to be restored as the psalm started here. Okay, I've got one more here. Um, the staff. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, the staff, also a young sapling, they would soak it in water and they would heat it and they rubbed it with oil and they bent it in the shape of a crook. So you have the, you know, the, the staff that's in the shape of a crook and it was used... Um, one author wrote, said, it was used for pulling branches down, uh, for rescuing animals trapped out of reach, pulling sheep caught in pits, fences, bushes, crevices, mud. The crook was used to lift newborn, lay them aside. Their mothers, uh, the staff would be used to guide the sheep and keep them on the path. Uh, Keller even wrote that he would watch as a shepherd walk beside a sheep, gently resting his staff on their back, which literally kept them in touch as if he wrote, they were holding hands. So as you go into the deep, dark shadows, he's with us. And, uh, I love, you know, it makes me think of John Newton's words, through many dangers, tolls, and snares. We have already come by his amazing grace. He's with us. He holds us. He uses his staff to remind us that he is near us. Matter of fact, if you look in organizations and, and you know, and in churches, businesses, the people that work there are called staff. Um, we've thought about that. And, and the reason they're called staff is because they're supportive of a common purpose. And in one sense, every one of us, we are staff of Jesus Christ. We have a call. Um, we have a commission's. And uh, we're all his staff. Uh, we're to make known the truth of Jesus Christ as his staff, uh, a working staff. So in one real sense, we're all part of uh, part of that movement as the local church. That he's with us. So we have a rod and staff to comfort us. All right, I'm, uh, I am through. Holy huddle, any uh, any comments? Anything to share about our shepherd? Any testimony? Praise God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, that's something we, of course, we fail at it as, as preachers, as communicators, but the scriptures obviously, you know, there's a culture they're set in and a, a people that, you know, what's written is understood there. But it's always been about God wanting to connect with people. And it's still true today. We live in a different culture, but he loves us. And he, you know, he works in our lives too. And we have stories that are important to share. So you all think about that. We need some good testimonies in church. <laughs> we used to have one church I was at, and I, I don't know. I need to do that, I guess. But once a month, we would have um, on the witness stand for Christ, and we'd have somebody share a testimony. That's been years ago. But and I, I don't know how often you do that, but I think it's important. Sometimes we, I don't know, it's so easy to, like, you, you know, think of the Bible as, something that's not necessarily now or today it is or anything else so we can yeah go Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Father, it is true that although we grieve and we're hurt when somebody we love is um, not nearby, uh, there's a lot to celebrate, Lord, with you. If we have entered through Jesus Christ into the family of God, there is a wonderful reception on the other side. And there are people that we love who are there. and Maybe we still miss them here, but, Father, they're, they're more alive than ever, Lord. They're with you, and um, they see clearly. You know, your word says, now we see but a poor reflection. But now they see face to face, Lord. They're right with you and alive. And one day, thanks be to Jesus, each of us will be there too. And we're going to be able to have a good time, Lord. Worshiping you and being with those special people. And uh, we could all probably start crying just naming some people we want to see and thinking of those people. And We will. We'll see them. And, uh, thank you, Shepherd, for providing that for us. Father, as we leave here, um, help us, Lord. Help us to, uh, as Jerry kind of said, be awake. Because we, we tend to drift away, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.